Nexus PMG welcomes you to the Bigger Than Us podcast, which we as energy geeks lovingly refer to as the BTU. Bigger Than Us is a podcast that focuses on ideas that will shape the future of our planet and ultimately our existence. We will occasionally lean into energy topics because after all, it's the key to our collective survival, but we'll also explore other ideas and topics that we believe will have an impact that is bigger than us. And now, on to today's show. Hello and welcome to the Bigger Than Us podcast. I'm your host, Raj Daniels, and today I'd like to welcome Sarah Enright to the show. Sarah Enright is a Director of Collaboration at BSR, the Business for Social Responsibility, where she oversees the design and facilitation of a portfolio of private sector collaborations that contribute to the Sustainable Development Goals. BSR is an organization of sustainable business experts that works with its global network of the world's leading companies to build a just and sustainable world. Sarah, how are you doing today? Thank you, Raj. I'm doing very well today. And thank you for inviting us to the show. Sarah, I'm so glad you could join. Sarah, I'd like to start out with a question after doing some research on BSR. In your opinion, what does a just and sustainable world mean to you? It's a good question. So BSR's mission is to create a more just and sustainable world. And we work with uh, multinational companies as our partners in in achieving that mission. Um, We work with them through consulting as well as through multi-stakeholder collaboration uh, to try and advance against that mission. Uh, A more just and sustainable world uh, is one in my mind in which everybody who lives on this planet is able to benefit from the uh, enormous innovation and resources that we as a human species have been able to develop over time. Uh, and so in that, uh, you know, I see uh, that uh, poverty and, uh, and people who are living in uh, circumstances where they're not able to access the same uh, levels of, uh, of education, healthcare, and, uh, and other innovations uh, that that the majority of us are able to access, I see that as a design flaw uh, and something that needs to be worked on uh, for everybody to be able to participate uh, in a more just and and sustainable world. Interesting idea about a design flaw. Can you elaborate on that? Sure. You know, I I was thinking about this when we had the space race recently, Um, you know, in a world in which uh, we have some of the world's most wealthy individuals able to build their own rockets and go into space, it seems to me pretty atrocious that we also have billions of people continuing to live in poverty without access to decent nutrition and food and water. Um, I believe that at this point in our development, poverty is a choice that we are making and that we can unmake. Poverty is a choice that we are making. That's that's very deep, Sarah. I appreciate that. And since you mentioned BSR, can you give the audience an overview of BSR and your role at the organization? Sure. Uh, I'm the director of collaboration at BSR, and we're a team of sustainability experts. Uh, I mentioned that we work with multinational companies around the world, and as well as um, stakeholder partners, to build a more just and sustainable world. Uh, we have global teams based in Asia, Europe, and North America, and we've been around since the 1990s, and really experienced the full curve of uh, how corporate uh, social responsibility has turned into a movement for corporate sustainability uh, and, uh, and, and seeking of purpose um, over the past couple of years. 
Uh, so we advise companies and work with them both on a consultancy basis as well as uh, through hosting multi-stakeholder collaborations. Um, and my role at BSR is to really oversee the business model that we have for hosting those collaborative initiatives, making sure that they're sustainable, not only in their high impact focus on environmental, social or governance issues, but also uh, in, in how they're financed and operated so that we can be there for the long run. So you mentioned the early days of BSR. I think uh, my research shows it started in 1992. So some would argue that's one generation, at least you know, 20 or 30 years. So let's just call it 30 years now. What do you think has changed in the last 30 years that's drawn so much more attention to the ideas about, you mentioned diversity, poverty, et cetera? It's an interesting question. I think I can only really speak to my own experience, which has been um, the past 15 years, I'd say, I've been working in this field uh, myself um, actively. And in, even in that short period of time, I've seen uh, the attention to social and economic development shift from one of philanthropy uh, and engaging in a philanthropic, through philanthropic means, through corporate foundations, through private foundations and, and individual wealth uh, distribution to, uh, to, to thinking about uh, these issues as something that may impact companies' core strategy uh, and starting to look at how then they, uh, companies can integrate uh, ESG issues into uh, how they implement their core strategy. And I believe that BSR has really been there through that full arc. Um, starting when we were really quite activists, trying to raise awareness to companies of, of how important uh, environmental and, and sustainability issues are uh, to their, their core business, all the way through to today when we have uh, CEOs uh, really recognizing that climate change and human rights uh, and, and inequality uh, are uh, you know, they are, they are no longer kind of ambiguous. They are really quite um, impactful on uh, the business's ability to exist in 10 years' time. So in your 15 years, you said the shift from philanthropy to core business strategy. In your opinion, how did that shift come about? What inspired that shift? I think there's a couple of things that are going on. Um, I believe that, uh, that people within companies have really started to see the direct impacts of issues such as climate change on their core business, and therefore uh, it's no longer a theoretical impact. It is now something that's very tangible um, as you know, we're, we're having to, uh, as we're, we're sitting here with, with wildfires encroaching on Tahoe today, uh, <laughs> um, uh, th there, there are direct implications that, that can be, are very visible right now um, that uh, are engaging uh, companies to take action. I also think there has been a bit of a generational shift. I believe that the the uh, the people who are coming into leader positions today in corporations have been raised with uh, a uh, an understanding of sustainability issues uh, that goes beyond what what uh, I think business leaders were being trained uh, in the previous generation. That this is part of. Uh, the uh, oversight and responsibility of, of a company uh, just as much as, uh, as serving s shareholders and, and, and other stakeholders is. You know, we've seen a shift in how companies talk about their, their purpose. It's no longer to uh, serve uh, only shareholders. It's also to, to serve uh, the needs of, of the many stakeholders that benefit from, from business growth. Uh, and I, that, that shift uh, is, is really increasingly, um, I think, that is, is adding momentum uh, to companies' engagement with, with sustainability issues. I would agree. I would lay my money on the generational piece especially. I'm a little 
comfortable in saying that, however, because I, I um, you know, I, I, I went to um, business school at a time when, you know, global CEOs were standing up on stages and saying, you know, it, it, all of these things are happening, but it's okay. The millennials are, are coming and they're going to, they're going to shape, shape how we do business and they're going to change um, because they have different values. They care more about the environment and, and society. And I, I found that at the time a little bit offensive. Um, because, uh, you know, the, these people who are in decision-making roles at, the, at that moment are seeing, you know, looming on the horizon, these, these deep issues that are being exacerbated by uh, how we do business. And they're not making changes in advance. They are waiting for the next generation to. Um, and now I, you know, as a, <laughs> I understand myself now as a, as a geriatric millennial you know, <laughs> coming up on my 40s, um, I'm now inheriting uh, those uh that kind of lack of decision making and uh, indeed, you know, working on these issues and trying to push them forward. But I don't think it's fair to kind of put that on the next generation and the next generation after that. I think it's, um, you know, up to us uh, as people engaged in, in leadership roles uh, to, to make the hard decisions now. Yes. And I believe when you mentioned inheriting, you're also inheriting or we're also inheriting a slew of opportunities to make a difference. Indeed, I, th- I also think that we've uh, developed a pretty robust toolkit, right? I, we now know uh, that, that technologically, it is possible to abate uh, climate change. It's now up to us to change cultures and mindsets in order to, uh, to meet that goal. So going back to BSR, I see there's seven core areas of focus. Can you go over those areas? Seven core areas of focus. So our, our areas of expertise? Correct. Sure. So BSR has what we call uh, seven areas of expertise, and these are topics which we serve companies on uh, to, to help them advance on material issues uh, that they're facing as they, as they look at sustainability. Uh, we think both about uh, the issue areas, uh, such as, and I'll name off four of our um, areas of expertise, such as climate change, diversity, equity, and inclusion, human rights, and creating a more inclusive economy, uh, and also uh, how we advance women's empowerment. Um, but we also think about how we then embed uh, these uh, these areas of expertise in a company's operations. And we do that through um, our focus on sustainability management and supply, supply chain sustainability. So looking at how a company embeds uh, these issues and their response to these issues in the policies and practices that the company incorporates, that their, that their actions are, are holistic. Uh, in how they approach these issues, uh, both looking at how they engage internally through sustainability management, as well as externally with their supply chain and value chain through supply chain sustainability. So I'm very interested in supply chain sustainability. Can you share an example of a client uh, that BSR helped specifically when it comes to supply chain? Sure. Uh, One of my favorite uh, projects uh, has been working with uh, companies that are looking to uh, increase the inclusion and diversity of their supply chain, of the, the inclusion and diversity of the workforce across their supply chain, um, and through a coalition that I uh, that I directed um, over the past couple of years, the Global Impact Sourcing Coalition, we worked to create an incentive system uh, by which a company could uh, request of their suppliers that they employ people from low-income backgrounds. Uh, in uh, directly to work on their accounts, uh, and this created a, a, a at a as a, at a coalition level, this created uh, increased market competition amongst suppliers uh, to differentiate themselves with their clients by employing uh, by creating inclusive employment program and marketing those as part of their differentiating uh, characteristics. 
So putting on a consultant hat for a moment, if you could walk us through, so does BSR go in and do a discovery session first with a client, lay out some metrics and then do reporting on the back end? It, it, you know, the, um, projects come to us in all different shapes and sizes, um, and uh, we work with companies that are at the very beginning of their sustainability journey, uh, in which case uh, we, we start with quite simply a materiality assessment, which is to really map out all of the material issues that a company might face in its um, in its sector, in the geographies that it's operating in with the particular clients and customers that it has uh, to help them see the universe of potential issues. Um, and then prioritize those issues to identify those that are really core to the business uh, the, that will you know, either unleash or inhibit business growth um, and those issues that are incredibly important to the stakeholders of the company. Um, and those are the, 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 then the, the kind of prioritized issues help a company then build uh, meaningful systems and policies and programs around uh, to uh, and have a long-term kind of plan for addressing those issues. That's kind of the bread and butter, the, the basics. Um, and then we, we go all the way through to, you know, working with some of the world's largest companies to uh, facilitate really um, in-depth coalitions that are trying to work on systems change together with uh, civil society and sometimes even government. So I know this must vary a lot, but can you give an idea of an engagement, what it would look like? Sure. Uh, so there's there's ones that are quite internal, like the the, the materiality assessment that I just described. Um, we might include in that assessment uh, stakeholder interviews to get outsider perspective and help a company to uh, to really uh, understand the issue from from multiple perspectives. Um, but then you know most of that work is uh, is kind of a back and forth with a, a single client, um, and uh, and and we you know come together during a, several series of workshops to refine the materiality matrix and develop a strategy uh, to to implement uh, on the on the the recommendations. That can take place over the course of usually four to six months. Um, and it involves, uh, you know, a core team here at BSR uh, working with a core team over at the client uh, to advance that individual project. We also have relationships with companies that are, sometimes are, are quite ongoing. So a company that might establish a strategy with us in one project will then return to us six months later to help evaluate the progress of that project and develop out next steps that then evolves into other forms of, of engagement over time. I think BSR is a membership in, um, organization. It, it really um, holds us accountable uh, for the recommendations we make because we have these long-term relationships with companies uh, that, uh, that we need to, to see that they're making progress on the sustainability issues that we're advising them on. And I see that you also do work with governments. Can you give an example of the kind of work you do with them? Sure. Our main uh, focus is on engaging private sector uh, on, on sustainability issues. The government can be a partner in that. Uh, sometimes we'll, we will engage with governments as, um, as donors uh, to uh, raise awareness or you know, advocate to the private sector for a particular policy or issue. Uh, we've, we've engaged with several governments on um, uh, advancing women's empowerment across supply chains, for instance. That, that resourcing really helps us to develop out much more robust public toolkits and tools uh, and advisory uh, and, and um, uh, recommendations than we would uh, through just uh, uh, working on you know, consulting basis uh, with, with individual companies. So, so an example of an outcome there was um, developing the, the women's empowerment principles tool that helps a company to, uh, that's, that's public online. It's a, a partnership with the UN Global Compact. 
um, and uh, it, it's a tool that companies can use to assess their current state of um, of how they're supporting women's empowerment in the workplace and then steps that they can take to go further. Thank you. Now, earlier you mentioned impact sourcing. Can you break down exactly what that might be? Sure. Impact sourcing is a, uh, it's a, a concept um, that uh, companies can use their procurement spend to have uh, social impact as well as to receive goods and services. Uh, so it's a way of looking at your procurement spend and understanding that it can influence uh, your suppliers uh, to uh, to not only provide strong services, but also to uh, to bundle into the deal uh, inclusive employment programs that bring people out of poverty. So we like to say with impact sourcing that it's a, a way of using the, the power of procurement to uh, reduce poverty across the value chains that you're, you're engaging. Um, this is a it's a concept that we've developed out through the Global Impact Sourcing Coalition, which lasted for uh, the, the past five years. Uh, and it has companies such as Google and Facebook and Bloomberg taking a leadership role in engaging with their suppliers uh, to create and uh, to challenge them uh, to employ people that are living uh, who are previously living below the poverty line um, or were long term unemployed. Uh, and providing them with good jobs, career opportunities, mentorship, um, safe workplaces uh, that they can then grow their career and bring themselves and their families out of poverty over time. Thank you for that clarification. And also you mentioned collaboration through thought leadership. Is this collaboration between companies, between organizations? Uh, what kind of collaboration is this? There are oftentimes we'll bring companies together who want to co-invest in the product, in, in, in creation of a new product, in the creation of a new uh, recommendations or guidance document um, that uh, helps the entire industry or uh, or, or or field to uh, to understand a topic in more depth, uh, so that this foundational document can then be used to uh, for individual companies to take inspiration from uh, and build out their own programs. And so, some of our collaborations, and and sometimes even just through um, you know not even in an ongoing way, but, but on an individual project, will co-invest in the development of uh, new materials and new thought leadership. We see this as one of the, the opportunities uh, in bringing companies together is really leveraging each other's expertise and resourcing to, to, and, and you know, not reinventing the wheel by, by uh, pooling their resources to create uh, new thought leadership. And what I think is more exciting, perhaps, than, than the creation of new uh, material is is then the the next step, which is looking at the opportunities for then collective action, uh, taking it a step further beyond uh, creating a new knowledge resource and thinking through all right, how do we together um, uh, continue to co-invest uh, to to advance together on this on the issue that we're that we're focused on. That's very interesting. Do you ever have a uh, competitor companies work together? We do. Uh, we do. And as a nonprofit, I think this is one of the, the things that distinguishes BSR is, is that we're able to uh, be a neutral uh, space, a safe space for even competitors to uh, work together in a pre-competitive way um, to advance the uh, on a sustainability issue that is uh, a, a challenge to the entire industry. Um, and so we have a, a number of safeguards in place to prevent uh, you know, collusion and, and other um, uh, legal risks of, of cooperation between competitors that we're all trained to uh, to facilitate, uh, and and that then also that that enables um, you know companies uh, like Coca Cola and Pepsi to come together into the same room and discuss common challenges. 
that must make for some very interesting conversations. Sometimes it leads to no discussion at all, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) ideally, ideally, yes. That's great. I'm going to switch gears here and get to the crux of our conversation. So I believe you said you've been engaged in this sector for about 15 years. What's your why? What drove you? What what made you made the shift to move into this sector? I'm really interested myself, like personally, in uh, big, hairy issues and challenges um, and, and all the messy. Uh, I like cleaning up messes. Um, and I feel like this is a space in which everything is a bit of a mess. And so there's there's just kind of infinite uh, opportunity to learn and uh, and engage with systems challenges. Uh, and I find that very exciting. This is a space where um, there's just a tremendous amount of opportunity for innovation uh, and it's constantly changing. And that dynamic environment is very exciting for me. While I appreciate you liking to, ta- to tackle big hairy issues and the opportunity of innovation, there are many other areas that you could go into with the same challenges. Why specifically this one? Mm. I, in my, in my youth, had the opportunity to travel um, and uh, I think became very aware early on in my life the, that uh, of inequality in the existence of, of, um, of poverty. Uh, and I found that outrageous and I continue to find that outrageous. So there's a, a deeper kind of personal motivational uh, motivation in all of my work that is really driven by um, the, the desire uh, to bring everybody up to a level that they can enjoy the same level of experience uh, that I've had in my life. Thank you for sharing that. Where did you travel? I spent some time in Costa Rica and uh, in Mexico uh, early on, and then uh, Egypt as well. And I see that you um, majored in Latin studies, is that correct? Latin American studies, yes. Latin American studies. What moved you to study Latin American? It's, um, well, I grew up in, in Texas, uh, and so uh, Hispanic influence was very strong uh, in, my, in, my, uh, in my childhood. I found Spanish and uh, Latin American culture to be this tremendously um, exciting doorway into understanding a different world perspectives and different uh, ways of, of being in the world. It was uh, a way of, of exploring um, history and uh, language and uh, government uh, you know, policy, um, very different from that of the United States. And I, I found that um, that was really critical in, uh, in, in reshaping my worldview uh, to be more global uh, than, than I, I think many people are raised to uh, to experience. I agree. It does give you a whole different perspective when you travel. So what's the most valuable lesson you've learned about yourself on your journey? Raj, I still think I'm very much in the middle of my journey. Um, I'm still learning quite a bit about myself. Uh, most recently, uh, as uh, in a director role, um, which which is uh, has been fairly a, a new uh, position for me, learning my leadership style uh, and learning from other people's leadership styles. Um, I have been really, um, I've had the, the, the fortune to work under uh, some just tremendously inspiring mentors. Uh, and I'm currently practicing different leadership styles and trying to understand, you know, what, how, can I, how can I lead people with my own voice and my own style um, that is inspirational, but also helps bring other people into, uh, into their power. Uh, and I'm finding, I think, that I'm, I'm less interested in being the person at the front of, of the pack. 
um, leading. Um, I'm much more interested in being right in the middle, um, kind of pushing uh, everyone to, to be uh, their bigger selves. Uh, and that, that is, um, that's something that I'm continually experimenting with and, and really enjoying see people, seeing people around me um, push themselves and grow. Let's stay with leadership for a moment. What do you think are one or two things that are working for you right now in leadership? I'm in this really interesting position with our, our collaboration work where uh, I'm starting to see the emergence of collaborative leaders, um, people who are systems thinkers, thinkers and networkers, who are coalition builders, uh, both internally within their own organizations as well as externally. We're able to see issues from many different people's perspectives and help to find that unifying factor that brings people to the table to negotiate and find shared value solutions uh, from that negotiation. Uh, I hope uh, to be one of those collaboration leaders, uh, and I, um, I, I, I'm very interested in, in helping to, co- to, to develop a cohort of collaboration leaders because I believe that that skill set is going to be increasingly necessary uh, for us to address the world's sustainability issues uh, going forward. The little I know about the Latin American community and Latin American history I look at that uh, culture as a very collective culture. Do you feel like some of these themes around collaboration have stemmed from your education in that area? Were you exposed to that? Yeah, I've never really thought about it, Raja. And and I um, I wonder I wonder you know what's the chicken and egg? Am I drawn to uh, to to Latin American culture because of its uh, collective nature, or uh, because you know it resonates with my own, or or the other way around? Has it influenced me? I'm not sure. Well, if you ever find out, do let me know. So let's fast forward for a moment. 2030, if Business Week or Forbes were to write a headline about BSR, what would you like it to read? 2030. (laughs) Uh, 2030. 2030 is when we are to achieve the sustainable development goals. And many of these are are so mission critical to human development that I really do hope we um, I would love to see BSR in uh, the headlines as a leading organization that has been um, the long-term uh, partner for change uh, towards achieving the sustainable development goals. We've been here for the long run. We're investing uh, and, and innovating uh, with a long-term perspective in mind. Uh, and I, I, I truly hope that, uh, that, that BSR is recognized for its uh, sustained uh, impact and focus on impact during this time. Yeah, I love the idea of, of meeting or exceeding the uh, UN SDG goals. A question I forgot to ask you earlier is, how do companies, A, how do companies find out about you? And B, what size companies do you work with? Sure. Uh, I think people, we work with multinational companies. So uh, you're, you're many, many of the companies that are participating in BSR's membership are Fortune 500. Um, they they are international. We have representation from from um, every uh, geography from of, of companies that are uh, participating in our network. Uh, and uh, traditionally, we serve the sustainability teams um, of these companies. Uh, so it's often word of mouth. It's often just uh, by nature of the fact that we've been uh, you know around since the 1990s, since the birth of the sustainability movement. And uh, and so so a, a lot of times uh, you know referrals will come fairly naturally to BSR uh, when it comes to a, a, you know developing a sustainability strategy. So if there are some smaller companies that are interested in a strategy, does BSR provide any kind of reports or documentation that a smaller company can use on its journey? 
I hope so. We um, most of our guidance and recommendations are designed for um, pretty mature uh, companies, large, usually inter- international in nature. Uh, but mo- a good amount of our recommendations are public, uh, publicly available, and published online. Um, I, I do understand that you know SMEs and, and smaller enterprises have uh, are are able to access this information, but sometimes it can be a little too robust for their needs. So it's a, it's a it's a task of really uh, right sizing to uh, the the level of resources and um, and exposure that those companies have to the to the issues that they're uh, that they're focusing on. So Sarah leads me nicely to my last question, which is. If you could share some advice or words of wisdom, recommendations, it could be professional or personal with the audience, what would it be? I have a lot of people ask me, since I'm a sustainability consultant, you know, how, how do you get into, how, does, how do I get into sustainability? A lot of people coming to me from, from all sorts of different fields. Uh, and uh, I'm increasingly uh, responding that um, you really don't have to be a sustainability consultant or have sustainability in your title uh, in order to work on environmental, social, and governance. I, I believe, you know, I've worked with people across all functions in a business from the procurement teams, finance executives, legal teams, strategy, marketing, you name it. And they've become uh, the point person for managing that their company's approach to a material sustainability issue. Uh, and, and that that it's really about seeing the uh, the opportunity and and stepping up, taking leadership. Uh, to engage on the, the on long term issues that are affecting your company and your industry uh, in whatever role that you're sitting in, um, and really thinking of yourself as that uh, leader for change and, and empowering yourself to take action. Uh, and I really encourage people to um, yeah to stop waiting for uh, and looking for that perfect role and instead kind of become uh, the leader that they that they want to see uh, in their industry themselves. I think I heard a quote once, and it says. Um, we are the ones we've been waiting for. Mm, exactly. Well, Sarah, I appreciate your time today, and I look forward to catching up with you again soon. Thank you so much, Raj. This is really a pleasure. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you for listening. If you like our show, please give us a rating and review on iTunes. And you can show your support by sharing our show with a friend or reach out to us on social media where you'll find us under our Nexus PMG handle. If there's a subject or topic you'd like to hear about, send me an email, btu at nexuspmg.com or contact me via our website, nexuspmg.com. And while you're there, you can sign up for our monthly newsletter where we share what we're reading and thinking about in the clean tech, green tech sectors. Bigger Than Us is a Nexus PMG production.